You have just entered the Royal Access, the show for growth-minded game changers seeking God's direction in their relationships and careers. I'm your host, Coral Pinder, and I'm super excited about growing along with you. Now let's dive in to this episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Royal Access. It's your girl, Corel, and I'm, as usual, super excited to be with you. We are in another episode of Teach the Text, and so this episode is going to be so amazing. We have one more week of Teach the Text, and then we go into a series that I'm excited about. I am going to launch the name of that series, I think, next week. I think next week I'm going to tell you the name of the series that we're going into for the summer, but let's just say for the summer, it's going to be hot. This series is going to be hot. So we got one more week of teacher text. I hope you've been enjoying teacher text as we break down the scripture according to how the Holy Spirit has revealed it to us. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share them with a friend. A little update on the Man Call You Queen course. We had a session with all the ladies who signed up for cohort two. And that was so amazing. Connecting with those ladies and just hearing how they connected with um, my story and how they were able to find the podcast. It was just a real enriching experience. But one of the things that I stated as I was preparing for this program and praying about the program is there was a minimum number that I wanted to hit. So we didn't hit the minimum number. So in that meeting, I was sharing with them, you know, I was really praying about what God wanted to do. And I, I think I told you guys on the podcast before, at one point I thought like, okay, we probably won't run the program. And then someone came through and they paid and I was just like, okay, I guess God wants to do it. But I think God wanted me to connect with these ladies right now, uh, especially for the powerful session that we were able to have on Thursday, but not meeting the minimum number was a part of us, a part of me, you know, really listening to, he wants my plate free right now. I've been doing a lot of things to kind of free up my schedule. I told the story on the podcast a few episodes ago about how I had a friend in town and I wanted to pass out because every single night I had something to do. And now I have been working through my schedule trying to find ways of where God wants me to remove some things. And I always know that when God wants me to remove things, it's because he's preparing me for something he wants to bring in my life. And so in order to be prepared for what God wants to do next, I have to be obedient. And so when we didn't make the minimum number, all of the ladies agreed that they would be okay with doing the September course. So with that said, if you are interested in September, because we did have some people who came in um, and we're like, okay, we're going to make the cohort number for two. And they were like, no, we want to sign up, but we want to sign up for September. So the ladies who met with me on Thursday, they're going to add the people who are on the wait list for September. And so September 30th is the date that we will do the next cohort. And so if you are interested in that, um, that's when we'll be running it. I already promised the ladies that were there on Thursday. Even if I don't meet the minimum number, we're going to run through it because they've already paid and committed. Um, but I do think we will make it. I do think that there's, you know, several people who are interested. And it also gives you more time to save up the funding if you're interested. And it gives you more time to pray about it if you were kind of on the fence or if you felt like this was not the right season. So September 30th. And we will be doing Prayer Live once again. Prayer Live started. Last year, I was at the Desperate for Jesus conference and I heard them talk about how, I can't remember, I think it was Crystal, Crystal, her last name is in Evans anymore, she's married, but Priscilla Shara's sister said how she did 30 days of prayer and that inspired me to do my own version of 30 days of prayer. So we did that in September last year. So I'm going to do it again this September. I'm excited about it. Um, so we will do doing 30 days of prayer and then we'll launch and I call you queen course September 30th, 30th that day. And I have now been able, I'm proud of myself. I'm patting myself on the back, cleared my Tuesday night, my Wednesday nights and my Thursday nights. 
And I am not sure how long they'll be cleared, but I do want to make sure that anything that I enter into or whatever it is that God is trying to do, that I'm very prayerful about my next steps, about what God wants, because I know that he wanted me to rest. And I know that he wanted me to make room for some things he wants to do. So I am making room for you, Lord. Um, and I am resting. So I just wanted to give you guys that update. So may I call you queen course. We did meet with the ladies that signed up, but everybody's going to start in September 30th. So that this season, um, whatever, or why God needs my schedule clear, I will be able to be purposeful into what he's calling me to do, because that is what it's about. Making sure that you are following the plans that God has for your life and not your plans. And talking about that, as we go into teach the text today, we're talking about the the topic is, is he your father or is he your fairy godmother? Is he your father or is he your fairy godmother? Um, for me in my life, God is God. He's not my fairy godmother. He is God. He is the Lord of my life. He is the ruler. And at times, you know, in our journey, we're human. And so that relationship looks different in different seasons of our lives. And so I just wanted to talk to you guys about that today. We're going to break down the scripture. But before I go into the scripture and break it down, I was watching the movie. I can only imagine. I've been putting off watching this movie forever. It's on Netflix. Um, if you've never seen it, it's the story of Bart Miller, a part of the group Mercy Me. And if you don't know Mercy Me or Bart Miller, maybe you know the song that is one of the most, um, it's the hit Christian song of all time, I think. Um, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Do you know it? Do you know it? Okay, I'm not going to go on, but you know, it just talks about what it would feel like or look like to be in the presence of God when you die. Um, what is that experience like? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Yeah, it's really good. Uh, you could go listen to it, but it's, it's really, I can only imagine. Oh, I can only imagine. So when he wrote that song, it was after his dad passed away. And Bart had a very interesting life of, he lived a life of child abuse. His dad consistently, you know, physically abused him. Um, his mother left at a young age. And it was all of this up and down of just a very, very hard life. And he found Jesus as a young child. And knowing that he grew up in a home where his father didn't love him and where his father was abusive towards him, finding out about the gospel and that Jesus loves you unconditionally and he's there for you. And he's, you know, no matter what you do, no matter what you go through, he's a constant love in your life. And so that's when he found God. And his dad was just all the way up until he was in the ninth grade and his dad was diagnosed with cancer. His dad was a complete monster. But when his dad was diagnosed with cancer and he got sick and he was going through that process, his dad made the choice to find Christ and having a relationship with God changed his dad's life entirely. And him and his dad became best friends and his dad became somebody that he wanted to become, the kind of man he wanted to become. And so he knew that this monster turned into a man of God, turned into my best friend when he died, that he would have gone to heaven and meet with God. And he said, you know, um, his grandmother said to him in the funeral, like, I can only imagine what it's like for him encountering God right now. And he said, you know, that really made him understand the gospel even more and wanting to tell others about this love of God, because he literally saw the love of God change somebody from a monster into 
a man of God into just an amazing, amazing man. And when watching that story, it was so powerful because it made me realize, you know, how we don't always really understand who God is in our life and the purpose that God is there and the fact that we have choices. And I think a lot of times we live in that that space that God is there to just give me just an amazing, perfect life. But we have to remember that we are in a broken and fallen world. And being in a broken and fallen world, we have to realize that the only thing that is a constant, the only thing that is good in this broken and fallen world, including ourselves, is Christ. Is Christ. And his dad, he had to go through the pain of, you know, going through cancer. And at the time it might be like, oh my gosh, I got cancer, but that was for your good. Because if he didn't get cancer, would he have been someone who accepted Christ and realized the importance of Christ and when dying, go to, to be with Christ? You know, sometimes, you know, we want things to just turn around miraculously. So we don't want the pain. We don't want to endure the suffering. And so I'm sure there were times where it was like, just let him die. I'm sure there were times where I just let me run away. I'm sure as a kid going through childhood, he's not saying that it was right, but we live in a broken and fallen world. And that was his reality. And I'm sure what we want to say is just let the pain stop. But the way that God allowed it to happen is the pain didn't just stop. He went through years of it. And then his dad got cancer and he had to take care of his dad. But that transformation that happened burst this song that happened seven years after the, the dad died. And that song being the number one Christian song ever had the ability to change the trajectory of not only Bart's life, not only of his wife's life, not only of his children, but the entire trajectory of so many other people's lives who heard that song was transformed by the glory of God. And you heard us say in the Purpose series that the only reason I'm on earth is to bring glory to God. That's why I'm here. And so through it all, God was with him. And so the verse I want to read is Zephaniah 3 and 17. It says, the Lord, your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he takes great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. So some context for this verse, Zephaniah is a prophet. And he's a prophet to the Israelites who are living in Judah, who have turned to an adulterous lifestyle where they're just, I'm going after the things I want. I'm worshiping idols. I'm worshiping um, false gods so that I could get the things that I want. And that's the context of what's going on. But there's going to be a remnant of people that God saves. And that remnant of people that God saves are the people that are humble enough, who humble themselves and decide that I am not going to seek after idols. I am not going to to do the wrong things. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to seek God and I'm going to follow God's will for my life. And those are the people that he is giving hope to. So he's giving warning, like, you know, God's about to, in Zephaniah, it's only three chapters. And the prophet is telling these people, the Israelites in Judah, like God's about to come for you guys. He's about to do what he got to do. And, but he's giving hope in chapter three, saying that for those who are humble, the remnant, those who, who seek God, those who are trusting God and not turning to that lifestyle and heeding to the warning that I'm giving you, that God is going to save you and he will take great delight in you and his love will no longer rebuke you, but it will rejoice over you with singing. The first thing that I want to talk to us about is humility. 
when we talked last week, we talked about patience and we looked up the word patience. And so I looked up the word humility. And so the word humility is to see yourself as less important. To see yourself as less important. And that was so like, like, oh my gosh, the culture, the culture today does not, the culture today does not promote see yourself as less important. It doesn't. We're all on our grind. We're doing what we got to do. We deserve this. I am this. And, and, and it can be kind of confusing because doesn't God say I'm worthy? Doesn't God call me chosen? Aren't I a part of God's family? All of that is true. But when you humble yourself, see yourself as less important, anytime I'm in direct correlation with something that I want in my life, I am always less important than God. My view, my wants, my desire, my thoughts are always less important than God. So someone may ask, like, how do I know if these are my thoughts or these are God's thoughts? Well, a quick on hearing the voice of God, the first thing that I have to do is if I'm having a thought and I'm not sure if this is my thought, my desire or God's thoughts and God's desire, does what I want line up with the word of God? That's the first thing. Does it line up with the word of God? When I go back to what I'm trying to do or what I want, does it line up with the word of God? If it's something where you're like, well, you know, it's not like black and white. It's like, I'm trying to find out if I should move. Um, then the next step would be after going to the word of God and really at the first step is evaluating your motives, dig deep to why, 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 why to get to the core of why do I want this? And then you can see, is it a selfish motive? Is it a pride ego? Is it entitlement? Is it, you know, or if it's genuine, I just feel a pull of God for this particular thing. So the next step is to go to wise counsel, people who are grounded in the word of God and they have you've allowed them to have this space in your life, a trusted space in your life where they can speak into your life, okay? And so you start off with first things first, I'm gonna go to the word of God, see if it lines up for the truth. And even before I start to look in truth, I'm honest with myself and I dig to my deeper why and I uncover that, whether I uncover it by myself or I uncover it with my therapist, but I uncover the deeper why in me of why do I really want it? Then I go to the word of God and see if it's lining up with the word of God. Then I bring in wise counsel. Then I, I continue to pray about it and be still and see if I feel a peace. Another thing about feeling a peace is if God doesn't have this for me, will I be okay? When we are not able to say, if God doesn't have this for me, I won't be okay. That's what we have to realize that I am trying to put my desire over God. And therefore I don't see myself as less important. I don't have a humble spirit. And sometimes we feel like we deserve something, but newsflash, we don't deserve God's mercy. We don't deserve God's mercy, his goodness, or happiness. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And every day we're making a choice. We've been given this gift of life, but every day we're struggling with the choice to choose God. But he allowed Jesus to die for our sins so that we can experience this lovely life with him. And the thing about it is when we first read Zephaniah 3 and 17, if you just read it at face value, it may seem as if, you know, God loves me. He wants amazing things for me. So why are you trying to cramp my style? Why are you trying to rain on my parade when I say I want this thing? I want this thing. I think it's good. I think it's fun. I think it's popping. God wants good for me. Why doesn't God want it for me? I don't know. I think you're just trying to come on me. Zephaniah 3 and 17, the Lord, your God is with you. So you heard it. He's with me. He's the mighty warrior who saved. That's right. I got the mighty warrior behind my back. What? And if I want it, I want it. 
He will take great delight in me. Boom. He will take great delight in me. This is where we get this, this arrogant um, fairy God, mother spirit, like God wants the best for me. God will give me my desires in his love. He will no longer rebuke me. He will rejoice over me with singing. And you know, I went to church. I did this. I paid my tithe. So I deserve everything that God is going to bring to me. But let's not take the verse out of context. Let's remember that the people that God, that Zephaniah is talking to, are the people who are humble. So Zephaniah 3 and 12, a little before 3 and 17, it says, I will leave a meek and humble people among you. A meek and humble people. Having, humble, having or showing low estimate of one's importance. So therefore, I have to renounce everything that is a personal desire of mine. I just told you a process of how to do that. So I have to renounce everything that's a personal desire of mine so I can be humble. And so he's not talking to everybody. He's talking to a meek and humble people, people who think I'm less important. So it's not my will. It's God's will. And they will take refuge in the name of the Lord. So I'm seeking what God wants, not what I want. The remnant of Israel will no longer do wrong or tell lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found on their mouth. So we understand that. Oh, it's not just saying I can do anything that I want or just I'm living here. So God is just going to bless me because I want to be blessed. No, we have to realize that I have to be humble. Therefore, know that I am of less importance than God. Therefore, I am submitting what God wants more than what I want. I am trusting. I think that that's where we get confused when we have a relationship with God, who's our father. Do we trust God? Do I trust you? Do I trust you? Do I trust you? When I'm going through a painful situation, I don't know what it is to go through physical abuse as a child. But when I was watching this movie, and I'm one of those film geeks, so after I watched the movie, now I got to go Google everything about the character, the real life character, because it's based on a real life story. How did he feel about his relationship with God? And, what, and I'm just like doing digging and all kind of researching outside of just watching the movie. And so one of the things was, I was saying like, how could you go through that abuse and still love God? And he didn't attribute to, oh, God is bad because he allowed my father to abuse me. What he was able to do by going through, you know, Christian camps as a young child, what he was able to do was to say, the world is a broken place. And my dad is coming from a broken place. But because the world is a broken place and my dad is coming from a broken place, it doesn't mean that there isn't a father who loves me. So I am not blaming God for the actions of my father the sins of my father. I am clinging. And that is what is actually keeping me sane versus turning into a monster myself by reacting. I am going to God for safety. We can't tell God how to save us out of a broken situation. We just have to trust that he will. We cannot tell God how to save us out of a broken situation. We just have to trust that he will. We have to take solace in the fact that he is God. And uh, the, the verse right before Zephaniah 3 and 17, where we feel like God is with me and God's going to do everything that I want him to do, which is not true. The verse right before it says, do not fear Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. I'm just saying, if someone says do not fear and do not let your hands grow weak, that's an indication that you're about to endure some pain. Do not fear. You're going through pain. And so what we have to realize is that God knows the pain that you're going through. God knows that you're going to go through pain because you have been born in a sinful and broken world. And we do not get full peace 
full tranquility. No more worries. No more pain until we're not in earth, until we're not on earth. We don't, that doesn't happen until we're not on earth. And so he says, do not fear and do not let your hands grow weak. And so therefore, if you're telling me not to let my hands grow weak, there's going to be something heavy that I have to carry. And so if you're sitting there saying, I am carrying something heavy, I am facing a situation where I am afraid. God is saying, do not fear. The Lord, your God is with you. And so sometimes we take scripture and that's what we mean when we take scripture out of context, where we just want to focus on God is with me and God is, he delights in me and he will rejoice with me with singing. And let's understand that right before that, he said, do not be afraid. So therefore you're going to encounter something in your life, but we just want the pain to go away. We just want the pain to go away. So I have three things that I want to quickly share with you. What is the difference between God being your father and seeing God as a fairy godmother? The difference between knowing that God is your father and not your fairy godmother. Number one, the difference between God and a fairy godmother. And when I talk about fairy godmother, they give you some context. So Cinderella had a fairy godmother. So that's who I want you to think about when I think about fairy godmother. And Aladdin had the genie. And so those are those are those fictitious characters that people make up in the movies that make people feel like, you know, this is, if you don't understand something the Holy Spirit shared with me today, before I go into number one, if you evaluate how much time you've spent on social media, and you can look on your phone if you do it often on your phone, your phone will tell you like four hours, three hours, five hours. If you spend all that time consuming everything from the culture, from your peers and digesting that information and you don't spend as much time reading your word and all of us are guilty of it. I'm not trying to call you out like I'm not guilty of it. But if you have more hours on social media than you have on the word, then it's going to be hard for you to decipher the truth of what God is saying and what the culture is saying. It's going to be hard for you to not see God as a fairy godmother because we, we take contexts and we kind of mesh them together. We know that God is all powerful. We know that God is in control. A lot of people believe that God exists. But the role and the function that God plays in your life, I think that that's where we get it mixed up. I think that's when we start mixing up what we know from growing up and reading the Bible at times and what we see in the culture. I think we kind of mesh the two of those when we don't consistently seek reading the word of God for ourselves. Like even listening to podcasts like this is good because it, but it's only an added bonus to you reading the word of God, your Bible, yourself and allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate what he wants to say to you from the truth, which is the word of God. So I think the reason why we sometimes get caught up in the culture of fairy godmother and not even knowingly realizing that you are really, you know that God is all powerful, but you are thinking that he's all powerful to cater to you and your desires. And so number one is God is always there and he's constantly orchestrating your story. God is always there and he's constantly orchestrating your story. When you think of the fairy godmother or, or the person in genie and Aladdin, they show up. They show up once. They show up once. They show up at a certain point in your life. God was there from the beginning. God didn't show up in Bart's life when his dad got cancer. God was there the whole time when he was going through abuse. God was there the whole time. In the movie, Amy Grant asked Bart, like, how long did it take you to write this song? So he was like, I wrote the song in like 10 minutes. And so she was like, you didn't write the song in 10 minutes. You wrote this song in a lifetime. 
And then the movie goes and shows a flashback from when he was a child and the abuse started. And so what it's saying is that all of this time, God knew that this song would go out, that it would reach millions, that it would be the number one Christian song ever, that you would go on and marry and have five children of your own and become this band that has lasted for 25 years, going around the world, singing the gospel, making sure that more people know the awesomeness and the glory of God that started from the painful part of your story. But that's the part when God says, do not fear and do not let your hands grow weak and take solace in me because I have you. And we can't tell God how to save us. We tell a very godmother what we want. We tell a genie what we want, but that's not who God is. And so you have to realize that if you're sitting in a painful situation and it may not be physical abuse, and I'm not saying if you're in a, a relationship, you should be going through physical abuse. I'm not even saying that a child should be forced to stay in a home where they're going through physical abuse. I'm saying that when you're going through a hard situation, whatever your present situation is, you should make sure that I am doing exactly what God wants me to do in this situation. And I am leaning on him for strength and for courage during this hard moment. I am leaning on him for courage and strength in this hard moment. And I'm taking the wisdom of God. So as I said, if you're in a physically abusive situation, you should be making room to get out. God does not want you to continue to endure that. But whatever the painful situation is, and maybe you're waiting on a job, and maybe you're waiting on a move, and maybe you're waiting on a baby, and maybe that you are going through a rough time at work and you want to leave the rough time at work. Maybe it's a rough time, not physical abuse, but a rough time in your home or among siblings. Maybe you're always arguing. Whatever it is, there's a painful situation that you're going through. It's going to God for the wisdom and not going to the culture or the media and not going to yourself. It's going to God for the answer of how to endure this particular season. And God is always there. He's there from the beginning of your story. Like Amy Grant told Bart, I was there from the beginning. I was there from the beginning. And we have to realize too, that in this story, when in Zephaniah, where he's telling these, the Israelites, this, this particular thing, a lot of times when these prophets are giving this, these prophecies, it's not even for the people they're talking to. It, the, the people who tend to experience it are the people that come after them. It's like the Israelites, it's their children who went into the promised land. They waited 40 years for most of those people who came out of Egypt to die. So you didn't even see the promised land. It was your children who saw it. And so it's just, passing on that that legacy or note that God is with you. So sometimes you don't even experience it. And so it's understanding that God is there from the very beginning. He's there during the struggle moment. And so the number one is God is always there. He's consistently there, even when you're enduring that painful moment. Because as she said, you didn't write that song in 10 minutes. You wrote that song from that experience from the beginning. But if I am trusting God as I am enduring pain, if I'm seeking out his wisdom as I'm enduring pain, he's consistently writing my story. He's consistently writing my story. And that's why he told the Israelites, he had Zephaniah told the Israelites, do not fear and do not let your hands grow weak. Do not let your hands grow weak because this is going to be heavy for a while. Do not let your hands grow weak. This is going to be heavy for a while. The number two thing is God gives us what we need, not what we want. God gives us what we need, not what we want. What we need and not what we want. When you have a genie or fairy godmother, I want a pretty dress and some pretty shoes and a horse and a carriage. I want, give me this. I can't remember what genie Aladdin asked for to make him a prince. And, you know, I want all of these things. And then we even saw in Aladdin that it didn't even fulfill him. 
I don't know why I'm reviewing movies today, but <laughs> the point is, I, I think that so many times culture, you know, determines the way that we think about things. And I need us to realize that the word of God is what we, the truth that we need to stand on because God gives us what we need. He gives us what we need. And so at the time, you know, Bart may have been feeling, well, if you're going to transform my father, then let him live. But God's like, no, I'm going to transform him with this illness that will lead to death. But I am so gracious that I'm going to give you this time with him. So it's not going to be dying immediately because his dad could have died quickly in a car crash. There was no time for redemption of their relationship. There was no time of redemption of him learning who God was and having a relationship with God. And there was no him going to heaven. And there would be no, I can only imagine because he was only imagining what his, his father's life was going to be like when he encountered Christ and then started to imagine for him, what would it be like when I encounter Christ? Because I know who he is and I saw what he did and I saw the transformative power. And so he doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And so many times, including myself, we say, I want this. I want this. Why wouldn't God give me this? Why wouldn't God give me this? Because there's a greater purpose. Because there's greater glory after this. The song wouldn't have been able to touch the millions of people it was able to touch if the sequence of events didn't happen the way that they did. But I'm sure that when he was a little boy, that's not what he wanted. I'm sure when he first got his father to be better and, and actually choosing God, I'm sure his father staying sick is not what he wanted. I'm sure when his father eventually died when he was 19, I'm sure that's not what he wanted. But that's what God needed to do in order to tell the story that he told. Because we don't deserve, remember, if I'm humbling myself, I'm low importance, then I don't deserve the things that God is doing. I am at God's mercy. It is his grace and mercy that allows me to live the life that I'm living today. And so if I'm realizing it's God's grace and mercy that allows me to be where I am today, then I have to accept. I have to accept. And, and, and the reason why I wanted to point out this verse of the fact that he will take great delight in you is because for the longest time I accepted that God wasn't going to give me what I wanted and that he was going to give me what I needed. But I sat there saying that I still feel that what I wanted is better because I'm still in a lot of the enduring and painful parts of, of what I feel is enduring the painful parts when there's beauty. What I'm seeing now is that the reason why a lot of us are in painful moments is because our perspective has not changed to, you know what? One, there's beauty, there's happiness, there's joy in this endurance of a season. Because even in that season where Bart was going through physical abuse from his father, that's when he found God. Because what they described to Jesus was, was the polar opposite of what his father was. And so he says how he was hungry for the gospel. And he was just so he, every time they had altar call, he wanted to go up every, he just fell in love with who Jesus was and who he represented, who God was being in his life. And so that happened during that time. That was also the time when he met his wife. Um, they met at the same Christian camp and they had that friendship from that, the, at that point. And so there was good in Barca life, even though that there was a part of his life that he had to endure that was painful. And so what I think that needs to happen when we're going through a moment of seeing like, you know, I need to do and trust what God needs for my life and not what I want is not getting the, the, the place where I was stuck for a long time. Like I learned in my journey that, yeah, God didn't give me what I need, you know what I want, but I was upset about it. I was, 
I didn't see the good that he was still doing, even in this pain of enduring. And so not only seeing the good in this moment, but I've watched God allow things to come forth. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad God didn't do this back then when I was asking him to do it. I'm so glad God allowed me to get what I needed. I'm so glad because it taught me this. It allowed me to see this. Now I'm seeing how he's transforming this for my good. And so it's like that verse where that song where I waited for, I tasted his goodness. If you've at any moment waking up this morning is tasting his goodness. At any moment when you tasted God's goodness, you see, you know what? What God wants, needs for my life is way better than I want because I cannot choose. The people that were Israelites, they were serving false gods thinking like, this is what I want and this is better for my life. And God's like, oh my God, this is, this is so much worse. This is so much worse. What I have for you is so much better. And that's what you need. And it's going to feel good. And so the, the, the verse, it goes on said, he will take great delight in you. And he is, his love will no longer rebuke you. He will rejoice with singing. So it's good. It's good. And we miss the good. We miss the good when we pout, when we're not getting what we want. We miss the good and joyful things that God wants to do when we pout. Being in this season of singleness, I talk about it a lot. Um, but being in the season of singleness, I started to realize, you know, there are things you can do in the season that you can't do when you're married. And one of the things and opportunities I took advantage of was spending time with friends. And so when I reached out to one of my friends, she was saying that she was going scuba diving the weekend I wanted to hang out. And I said, I always wanted to get certified as well. I'm going to come with you. So we were on our fourth dive yesterday and the complete joy and high I got swimming with sharks. Because you hear like, swimming with sharks, oh my God, they're going to kill you. And so the instructors are telling you the whole time when you're going through the classes, like the sharks are more afraid of you than you are afraid of them. You're just watching too much movies. That doesn't actually happen. They're not going to do anything to you. And so you're like, yeah, 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 whatever. When I get down there, it's going to be something totally different. But when we did and you got down there and it's like, I'm next to a shark and he's not biting me. I don't know. I don't know why that was so like, I was just like, <gasps> but what it reminded me of is like, there are not saying that if you are scuba certified or go through scuba diving, you can't do that with a family. And saying that what I'm realizing is that there are times and, and opportunities and different things in your life that you could be doing to experience joy and just, you know, reveling in the goodness of this moment. And you, you, you would miss it if you just focus on the bad things. There are a lot of people like, oh, this doesn't exist here. Oh, this doesn't happen here. Oh, this point in my life, it won't happen. You're doing a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's where you see exactly what you have spoken. And so if I say, you know, this time of my life can be joyful, even though I'm enduring certain things that I don't want to endure, there are things that God wants to do that are joyful in my life at this time. And so if I say that, my mind will think about what those things are. I will be attracted to those and I will walk towards those. And so when I say that God gives us what we need and not what we want, what I don't want you to be is sulking or sad or depressed about it. Like, yeah, God's in control. That's, that's religion. And God says, I'm relationship. I'm about relationship. Uh, a fairy godmother is going to give you whatever you want. And that may not be best for you. We saw in Aladdin when the genie gave him a prince, he still didn't have the good character needed to be there. And another thing that we have to realize is that the reason God gives us what we need and not what we want is because he's building our character. He is building your character. I saw this a meme on TikTok, this uh, video on TikTok, when she says, when you meet a guy and you're like, is this really the one or is this another character building exercise? Because literally a lot of the things that we go through in life, especially in relationships and thoughts on the person you're supposed to be with. And even when you get married, I'm sure a lot of married folks will say you're just entering into a lifetime of character building exercises. But God is building our character so that we can be more like him so that we can be more like him. So we, so, so there's character building in it. There's growth. 
there's and there's joy and there's delight, but don't miss out on the joy and the delight because you're sulking because you're not getting what you want instead of what you need. You have to trust that a fairy godmother gives you what you want and you do not know what's best for you. Newsflash, you don't. I don't care how long you've been, you've not created yourself. So we do not know what's best for us. And when we carry that spirit of humility, I can admit that I'm of low importance. I'm not as important as God. I don't know as much as God knows about my life. And so not only I'm going to trust what he's giving me is what I need and not what I want. I am going to enjoy it because it says, the verse says that he will take great delight in me and that he will rejoice over me with singing. So I'm going to get to that point. I'm going to get to that point. But I know that when I'm going through pain, that he already said, do not fear and do not let my hands grow weak. So he's already warned me that there's going to be pain. The final thing is God's arm is where we find peace, joy, love, and comfort. Joy. God's arm is where I find peace, joy, love, and comfort. When I am turning to a genie or a fairy godmother, I'm not finding peace, joy, and comfort in them. I'm finding or trying to find peace, joy, and comfort in the things that I want them to give to me. And we said it last week, anytime that you allow your joy to be determined by something that you want that is outside of you, you have empowered that particular thing to have power over you. And anything that we are, we are seeking for or waiting on a job or a move or whatever, at some point, it's going to disappoint you. The only thing that's a constant in your life is Christ. And so my joy has to come from God. It has to come from God because I'm going to put too much pressure on that particular thing that I think is going to give me joy. And that's what happened. You put yourself in the carriage by 12 o'clock, the carriage fall apart. You leave the shoe, the dress, it all goes away. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not eternal. God is the only thing that's eternal. He ended up the prince. They blew it. Okay. You're not really a prince. Okay. The, the charade is up. Yeah. You're not really a prince. It's, it's, it's not everlasting. It's, it's very short-lived. The happiness from something that you get from a fairy godmother or a genie, and we know that fairy godmothers and genies don't really exist in life, but the things that you try and go for yourself, because you may not have a fairy godmother or a genie, but sometimes we take it upon ourselves to say, I'm going to make this happen myself. I'm going to do it. And then that's, that, that, that happiness or that thing that you were seeking for is fleeting. It's fleeting. It's not eternal. The only way that you find eternal joy, peace, and love is in Christ. When you have a fairy godmother or a genie, it's in the thing that you're trying to get, the thing that you're trying to go after, and that is short-lived. That is short-lived. The only thing that is eternal is Christ. And so allow Christ to build your character. Know that God is always there. He's consistently orchestrating your story, even the painful moments of your story. Know that he's going to give you what you need and not what you want, and that's a good thing. And that's a thing to rejoice in. That's a thing to find joy in. That's not a thing to be upset about. Humble yourself. Know that you are less important than God and that what God has for you is better. And finally, God's arm is where we find peace, joy, love, and comfort. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He got you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice with you with singing. God is a good God. He's not a fairy godmother. He's your father, your loving father, your loving father, who when you humble yourself, see yourself as less important, allow him to tell you the fabrics of your story. It's going to be an amazing one. 
So I hope that God is your father, not your fairy godmother. I hope that you delight in him. I hope that you humble yourself and that you trust that his will is better than anything that you could ever design for your life. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Share it with a friend. We are going to be here next week for our last episode of Teach the Text. And then we're getting ready for a hot summer series. So make sure, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the Royal Access Podcast. Be sure to learn more about how to connect with us in the show notes below. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. We would also love for you to consider leaving a rating or a review. Until next time, I'm Corel Pinder, your truth-telling accountability partner.